Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope things are going well for you. I know a lot of us are gearing up to get our kids back to school. Hope that's going pretty good. And this topic actually will be very relevant to that and to just life in general. So I want to talk to you about learning how to let go of your perceived control. And so much of what we can control is our perceptions, our mindset, and how we show up for our kids and how we show up for parenting in general. And I really feel like this parenting journey, if you want to call it that, has made me grow in ways that I never thought parenting would make me grow in a good way, in a resilient way, in a way that makes me a better person, a better human being. And so I want to talk about this aspect of letting go. But before I do, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode because NoCD offers affordable, effective convenient therapy, and they're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. And you can find out how to set that up. They're making my life a lot easier lately because I support parents globally. And it's it's just so nice to be able to say, have you tried NoCD? Especially in places that, you know, have long waiting lists and parents don't have access to care. It's been a godsend. So check them out. I also have a little bit more housekeeping to do before we dive into this topic. It's kind of related. I am actually currently doing a free series called Self-Care for Parents Raising Kids with Anxiety or OCD. I hit my ring when I did that. I was like, really punching my fist. Like, you need to know this. (laughs) And it is currently going on, but it's one of those series that you can catch up at any time. Let me see when this will come out. Yeah. So video number two is coming out today, the 30th of August, 2022, depending on when you're listening to this, but I do this series twice a year. So you can always catch it again. You can sign up for that at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. And I will be opening up the doors to my membership community at the end of that. So next week, the doors will open. So if you want to learn more about my membership community, because the doors only open a few times a year, you can check that out at atparentingcommunity.com. So take the free series, learn how to, I talk about self-care, but I talk about self-care in mindset and perceptions, like in a very different way than you would think. So it's very much aligned with what we're talking about today. So if you want a deeper dive, do that free series with me. And if you are interested in the community and you don't want to miss that opportunity, get on the wait list so you can at least get the emails for it. Learn what the membership includes so that you are ready to go when I open the door. I only open up the doors for a few days and then I close again because I really want to focus on the members that are there. So that group of parents gets in-depth support from me and from other parents. We have over a thousand parents in that group and we do Zoom calls monthly. We do Zoom support group calls for the kids and people have direct access to me in the forums on our website. They can email me back and forth on the forums and get my direct support and guidance. And we do weekly classes and our member only Facebook group. There's so much. (laughs) They get some access to my classes for free. It's just a lot of bang for your buck, but 
I don't want to go on about that. You can check that out at atparentingcommunity.com. All right. What I do want to go on about is learning how to let go. (laughs) The reason why I thought about this topic is because I initially was thinking about, you know, what struggles I am going through. And I start with that only because, and I say this all the time, I try to start with topics and issues that I can speak from the heart about because those you're going to get the most raw, in tune examples on that because it's something that I am dealing with myself. And I feel like I teach by example. When I live things, then I teach them in a much more authentic, organic way. And I think that's that's a unique thing when a therapist has their own personal experience. And so you're merging and marrying both the parental and clinician aspects of a problem. So we are driving my oldest daughter, who is 18, to college in two days. And that's already happened in the past. If you're listening to this in the future, which you are, because I'm recording this two weeks ahead of time. And so I was thinking about, you know, that's that's a form of letting go. And it got me thinking about letting go in a more general way. How much control do we feel like we have? And how much expectation do we place in our family and in our parenting? So I know that's a big general statement and it can encapsulate a lot of things, but let's just bring it down a notch. You know, when when you are rolling up your sleeves and saying, I'm going to go help my child with their anxiety or OCD, what level of control and what level of, not level, but what degree of expectations do you have? And it's hard. It's hard to look at that because sometimes intellectually we know that we don't have control over some things or maybe having these expectations can be harmful, but we're on automatic pilot. And what I have found is when I shift out of automatic pilot, I slow things down and I pay attention to my responses. I'm able to see some faulty thinking. And so I teach parents and I remind myself on an almost daily basis that I don't really get to control my child's anxiety or OCD. Like that is their deal. And even if I wanted to jump in and, you know, save them or squash that anxiety or squash that OCD, I recognize and I remind myself that I don't have that ability. I don't have that control. And so even as a parent, if you learn all the different ways that your child should be working on their anxiety or OCD, and you're taking them to therapy or you're providing them with resources or you're trying to get them to go. That's the only role that you have. I've had parents who will ask me questions in the AT parenting community and will say things like, you know, he's washing his hands again. So should I lock the bathroom door or should I, you know, hold him back or things like, you know, he won't touch that. Should I, you know, take the item and, and put it on him and make him touch it. And I don't get a lot of questions like that, but when I do, it's indicative of A parent who has a perception of control that's not accurate and that they don't have control. And so they're trying to exude more control and it becomes you against your child. And that's not where we want to go. We don't want to go you against your child. And the more you feel like you have control or that you need control, the further you can push your child away. And so it is so hard to watch our kids struggle suffer, 
it's hard to stomach, but also it's this tightrope. It's almost like diffusing a bomb, you know, which I'm totally horrible analogy, but that's all that came up in my head. You know, it's like you have to be very skilled and you have to have intention with everything you're doing and moving because you don't one wrong move and, you know, it can go too far. It won't blow up in your face. There's always, you know, tomorrow. But I feel like that is somewhat how we have to approach our kids. Like we don't want to push them over the top. And so we have to ask ourselves, what's our goal for right now? This is actually what I go through in my other free series that I'm not doing right now, which is the survival tools for parents raising kids with anxiety and OCD. This is actually a big part of that free series. And I do that twice a year too. So just stay tuned, get on my newsletter list, and then you'll always hear about these things that I'm doing and you won't miss them. Because sometimes I forget to mention it to the podcast, which is very stupid, (laughs) but sometimes I do. I always say, what's your entry point and what do you have control over? And so before you ask yourself that, you have to let go of all the expectations because expectations actually hold you back. And we're going to go into that in a second. I don't want to lose my thought, but if my child's not motivated to work on their anxiety or OCD, then my job in that moment, my only job in that moment, the thing I can control is what tools and skills I present to my child. And if they're not wanting to work on those tools or skills, I'm going to take it a step back. I'm going to step back even further. And I'm going to work on just communication and trust. I don't want to be a nag and like a fly in their face being like, you need to work on your OCD. You need to work on your anxiety. You know, take this class or go to this therapist. If I'm getting huge amounts of resistance, and it will look different for each kid, I know what resistance looks like in my kids. When my son has a pillow over his face and he's like digging himself into the couch, that's a pretty big clue that what I'm doing is not working out because he's literally trying to barricade himself away from me. And I'll be honest, a lot of times that's my first clue that I've gone too far because I'm so in it to win it. I have this thing I want to say to him and I know we need to talk about it and I want to talk about it now. I'm in the moment to talk about this and I'm going to talk to you about it whether you like it or not. And then it takes me a little while to have that wake up call and that awareness of look at your son right now. He's literally balled up in the corner of the couch with three cushions around his face and he's not really responding to you. It's kind of a clue that you've gone too far. (laughs) And then I'll I'll be like, well, we can talk about this some other time. (laughs) I, I don't want it to get to that point. Sometimes it does because my need for control kind of, it takes over and I'm not able to, to have an objective view until it's too late. We all do that. We all push it too far sometimes, but we want to say, what's our entry point? And that will change over time. So it's not like one and done. It's not like my entry point is getting them the tools they need. They're ready to do exposures. There's different entry points in this journey for us as parents, and there's different ones for for them as kids. And the first one is trust. I talk a lot about this in my survival tool series. I'm kind of going over this a little bit. But so if you've taken that series, then you're very familiar with what I'm going to say. But the first one is trust. If you don't have trust, then you're not going to actually, I would take that back. The first one's communication because you can't have trust until you have some pretty good communication. And so you might have to work on your communication skills with your child in a very, very basic way. 
like just talking about how their day was, getting them to be more open. I've noticed that my 10-year-old is, you know, hormonal. She's actually going to be 11 in a few months. And I feel like they're not sharing as much about school. I pick them up and I say, how was your day? And they're like, good. And I'm not getting anything from my 10 or my 12-year-old at all. Where in the past, I would know too much. They would just, you know, it was like nonstop. Um, they would actually argue about who was going to go first. Now I don't hear much. That's developmentally appropriate. But it also says to me, I need to work on the communication. And so maybe they're not going to want to talk to me after school when I pick them up. But maybe, you know, I actually took my daughter out for, I'm trying to think, what were we doing? We ran some errands. And then something just organically came up where she was talking about school and talking about something that had happened. And I realized like that's how I'm going to build our communication now. It's not going to be as controlled where I say, how was your day? And she just tells me not going to be that easy anymore. Going to have to carve out some time, have her run an errand with me. Every kid's different as far as when they're going to talk to you. So communication first, then trust, right? Because then they build trust. So if they tell you things and you don't respond in a huge, ugly, sort of scary way, (laughs) whatever it is they're telling you, where you don't ask them a million questions or interrogate them or not let it go when they're ready to let it go, then they build trust. I can tell my mom or my dad this, and there's no negative consequences. The conversation ends when I want it to end, and I don't feel like I'm interrogated. It's not like I'm consequenced or things are taken away because I gave them some information that made them uncomfortable. So that's like building trust in general. If they're telling you about your anxiety or OCD issues, their anxiety or OCD issues, you're not using that as a weapon to say, okay, well now you have to work on that. That's OCD. So now you have to work on that. Or now you have to do exposures. You want some space in between. Gather your information and don't connect that. You know, even if in your head you're like, okay, we have to do exposures on that. I didn't know that was a problem. Keep that to yourself because you don't want A plus B equaling C. I opened up to my mom or dad, and then instantly they're trying to force me to do something that makes me uncomfortable. Now, My C is I shouldn't tell them things. I need to keep that secret. So that's how you build the trust. And then after that, you know, your job is to provide them with the resources and the tools or the therapy or whatever it is. Then you have to let go of control. That's your job. That's the line of your job. What they do with those things is where you have to let go. And that's the hard part because sometimes you know everything. And you're bringing them to all the great people or providing all the great resources and they're not wanting to do it. And then now your focus is how to build motivation. And that might be by offering some external incentives initially to get the gears going or however you're going to do that. That's not what this episode is about, but it's learning to let go of what you can control and what you cannot control. And I'm always asking myself, do I have control over this? And this goes bigger than just our kids. It goes into, you know, do we have control over a lot of things? Do we have control over, you know, there's just so many elements of what we don't have control over. And I think once we realize, and this actually helps our kids too with their anxiety or OCD, once they even realize that we don't have control over a lot of what we perceive to have control over, that can be liberating because a lot of us out of our control. So spinning our wheels And trying to do something that we really ultimately don't have control over is a waste of energy. So I want to also talk about expectations because they go hand in hand. And so when you 
are doing something and your expectation is that your child is going to respond in this particular way, you are setting yourself up for failure. There's two reasons why. One, a lot of times when you're being successful and you're doing something that is going to really help the anxiety or OCD, your child is not going to like it. And so if you're gauging your success on the expectation that your child is going to be a partner in this with you and is going to instantly get better because you're doing something that you read about or you were told to do, that expectation is going to be your downfall. Because a lot of times kids get worse before they get better when you're doing something that is helpful, just like a wound or a burn, you know, when you have a really bad burn, they have to, this is gross, but they have to scrape it to get that new skin growing. And I feel like with OCD, it's very similar. When you're pulling back your accommodations, it's like you're doing something that feels harmful to your child and they're, you know, screaming or metaphorically having a tantrum about it or literally having a tantrum about it. And you feel horrible because you feel like you are in, you're literally inflicting pain on your child. But just like someone on the burn unit who is, you know, screaming because someone is cleaning their wound and scraping that off. I know it's gross, but this is what's coming to my head. Weird analogies today. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, it's for the best, right? So when you see that happening medically with a child that has a burn, it would be hard to stomach, but you also know that that's necessary in order for growth. And it is the same thing with anxiety and OCD. When you're pulling back those accommodations, if your expectation is, this is going to go beautifully. I'm going to see progress right away. And my child's going to love me for it. Then you're setting yourself up for failure. So having realistic expectations in that realm is important. The other area is having any kind of artificial expectation or control. So I expect that by this time, my child will have no OCD, or I expect that my child is going to be on the football team and they're going to be athletic and they're going to love it. Or I expect that my child isn't going to struggle in school like I did. Some of this stuff is our garbage that we bring onto our kids. A lot of us can't help but live through our kids in some way. I don't want my kids to struggle the way that I did. So I'm going to do this, this, and this to prevent it. But we don't get the control over that. And so when we have artificial expectations of how we want our kids' lives to go, then we're constantly mourning and grieving over the loss of our expectations. And we can help ourselves by reassessing our expectations. And the way that I do that is by letting go. And so I might have an expectation. And this is, this is daily work. You know, what I'm learning about life is that a lot of it is, is daily practice. It's not one and done. It is not, okay, I have reframed the way that I think about things and now I'm good to go. It's about being, it's about practicing. It is about showing up every day and living life with intention. And when you show up and live life with intention, one, you're, you're very aware when things go awry. (laughs) And two, when you're living with intention, you're able to notice these thoughts and these feelings more objectively because you're, you're more in tune with yourself. When I have a bad day, I'm so aware of it. I had a horrible day yesterday. I don't know what was wrong with me. This is the second time I've had a day like that in probably the last two weeks. Just a day where I am 
really angry, agitated, and like very, very like tearful, like crying when my kids aren't around. Just a really rough emotional day. And like really nothing objectively was like horrible in my world. It was stupid stuff. It was like the lights in my backyard won't work. (laughs) And I've had like 15, and I'm not exaggerating. I've had like 15 electricians go out and, you know, try to brainstorm and they'll fix one thing, they'll leave, and then it breaks again. And, you know, it's been thousands of dollars. And so went outside the backyard and the lights aren't on again. And I'm like, I don't know why that pushed me over the edge. And there's like some water coming out of like a pipe on the side of my house that I think is normal. And I had to Google it. And maybe some of this is just grief, like reminders that I'm alone, you know, and these things happen and I can't fix them. And I was trying to upload something for my new kid and teen course. And it, there's a problem with the video. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh. So, but they're all stupid things. But I was nasty to my kids. You know, I was like very short tempered. I was not very kind or warm. And, you know, and I, I had an incident with every single one of my kids yesterday that was not nice. I didn't respond in, in a nice way. And because I am so much more in tune with my expectations, you know, how much control I'm perceiving, how I'm showing up to my kids and self-compassion to recognize that I'm not going to be perfect. When those days happen, they like stick out like a sore thumb because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not how I wanted to show up. And then I have to practice self-compassion because that's part of what I'm trying to do. And it's part of something that you should probably do too, is that I woke up today and I was like already kind of tearful. I don't know what's going on with me. It's just, you know, grief is just so annoying. It just doesn't go away. I was already kind of tearful. And I was saying, I was reminding myself about something that I did that I thought was pretty craptastic yesterday. And I was like, yeah, gosh, you were such a beast yesterday. And I said to myself, this is a new picture. Cause the way I try to look at each day is it's a brand new easel. It's a brand new picture and I get to put fresh paint on it and I get to create whatever I want for that day. It's a brand new picture. Now you put all these pictures together, you know, and it's like a mosaic. So you want to have some of these pictures look beautiful because they're part of your mosaic, but one little square isn't going to ruin the the whole entire mosaic. I said to myself this morning, you're just taking the old paint from yesterday and you're splashing it onto your new canvas. And you're like, you haven't even started painting today and you're already making your picture gross. What are you doing? That's residue from yesterday. And so that's how I try to talk to myself now. I was like, it's a brand new day. You're starting fresh. And so that is something we do have control over. How you show up for yourself. Because we spend so much time worrying about how we show up for our kids and what they should be doing, what it should look like, how do we get it to look like that, that we get so consumed with that, but we don't show up for ourselves at all, which is crazy because we want our kids to show up for themselves, but yet we don't show up for our own selves. And it's not because you don't have enough time because, well, one, it's mental, but two, if I'm not in the right space then today would be just as nasty as yesterday. Last night, I was aware that I was a beast, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Like there was the awareness, but I had no control. I was just just so angry. And so also letting go of the perception that I have to be perfect. 
right? That you have to be perfect, that you're not going to have days where you're just a beast. You know, you're like mama or dadazilla, and that's just, that just is. And one thing that I have learned over the last year and a half, like since my husband passed away, I have more of those days than I did in the past, or I'm more aware of them because I have gone through like just this growth of like being more in tune with myself, partly because it was just survival. But what I have noticed is that when I beat myself up for having those feelings, I wind up feeling worse. And when I accept those days or accept those feelings, and I recognize that I don't have control over those, I mean, it's physiological on some level. Yes, I can try to control how it impacts other people because we always tell our kids, you know, you don't control if you're angry or not, but you definitely control what you do with it. (laughs) I say that a lot. Uh, And I need to practice what I preach. But also, I find that I tend to do better. Maybe this is true for you too, but I tend to do better when I lean into whatever emotions are showing up for me and I I don't berate myself for having them. So when I'm angry or I'm sad, and this is something I've learned through grief too, is when I try to squash it down, it winds up popping out in another nasty sort of way. But when I recognize that I don't really have control over what emotions or what kind of emotional day I'm going to have, then I honor that. And then I take care of myself or I try to, didn't really, I don't know, didn't work out yesterday, but that's okay too. Today's a blank slate. It's a brand new canvas, but I recognize the emotion. So if I'm really, really sad, like, yes, well, I did try to take care of myself yesterday. I was in a really horrible mood. And again, it was all these like little things that were happening that I think reminded me that I was on my own and it was like little annoyances, but they kept growing. Like I was, it was like one problem then another problem. And they were stupid little problems. The plumber came yesterday because like our sink was smelling like rotten eggs for like a year. And I have super sensitive kids who like, and they eat at the, you know, we have like kind of like a breakfast bar. And so if I turn on the dishwasher, it smells like rotten eggs and it's been getting worse and worse. And I did everything, the vinegar, the baking soda, whatever. And I'd called three different people. I know I'm like venting today, (laughs) but then the plumber, like the fourth plumber came and he fixed it. But then when he left, like my dishwasher door doesn't, now that's a problem because I don't know what he did, but he took it off. And now when I try to close it, it's wonky and I have to like push it in a weird way. And it's like, it's minor, but it's like things like that where I'm like, ah, now my dishwasher is wonky. I mean, who really cares? But I think it was just this accumulation. And so I was going to go back and do some work on my class that I'm working on for kids and teens last night. And I was like, you're not okay. Just go grab a bowl of something. (laughs) It was like, I finally put the kids to bed and I was like, go grab a bowl of something. Cause I'm also trying to do this thing where I like don't eat for 12 hours. So if I go to, if I stop eating at 8 p.m., then I can eat at 8 a.m. because I'm trying to be healthier. And I was like, grab a bowl of something, some organic gross chips that I bought and watch a show, find a new TV show on Netflix and just sit there and relax. And that's what I did. And, you know, that's, that's letting go. It's like, okay, I'm in this funky mood. And yeah, normally I'd go back and I'd probably work a little bit, although I've been trying to stop doing that. And 
I'm not going to. I'm going to honor the fact that I'm in this like weird, crappy mood and I'm going to go relax and take care of myself. And I'm going to go to bed and I wake up to a blank slate. And so learning how to let go isn't just about learning how to let go of what you can't control with your kids and lowering your expectations isn't a compromise. I mean, some people think it's like compromising your values. When I say lower your expectations or accept the thoughts that you have, it actually winds up being a better end result because when your expectations are realistic, you don't know. And I know I'm switching topics now. I'm moving from your own moods to your kids again. Stick with me. I'm all over the place today, but it actually bodes well because Sometimes we can have expectations. We expect that it's going to go bad. That's not good either. Sometimes we're like ready to expect the worst. Sometimes we have like just general expectations of how we had always envisioned something to be. But when we say, you know what, I don't have really any expectations because I don't get to control this. And when you live day by day, and I know this is so hard to do, and it's a really, this is why most people don't do it, is because living in the moment, is scary because it's like having a flashlight and not knowing what your steps will be a few feet from you. That's how it feels to me when I live in the moment. However, when I live in the moment, I am much more aware because I'm focusing on what that circle of light is showing me. So instead of staring into the darkness and going, I don't know if there's going to be a rock in the front, or I don't know if like I'm going to go off the cliff in the front, or I don't know if there's a snake in the front. I'm looking at just the circle of light in front of me, my next few steps, metaphorically. And when I do that, and I don't always, didn't yesterday for sure, but I'm back on track. When I do that, in general, my life goes better because I am super aware of what's in the circle of light. And so maybe I see that cute little smile that my child's having because I'm not lost in thought about how school's going to go next week. You know, or I can see the cute little missing teeth in their little mouth and think, oh, you know, that smile. I'm not going to see that smile, you know, in five years, not to get you sad. (laughs) Uh, My child's going to college right now. So there's a little bit of that going on too. But when I'm focusing on that circle of light, I can have a lot more realistic expectations because I'm only thinking about what are we doing today? Oh, today I wanted to work on communication. So I'm going to, you know, maybe have my child run some errands with me and maybe we'll talk but I have no expectation that it will go well. And when it's going in a direction that I don't want it to go to, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let my expectations go. I'm going to go with the flow. When we are in flow and we go with where that energy is going and we're not resisting, we wind up making better progress. When we resist what's happening, and that doesn't mean that we, you know, let our kids, you know, fall off the face of the earth and they are, you know, struggling with anxiety and OCD. We just know what our circle of light is. Maybe my circle of light is, I need to find a good treatment center for you. Or maybe my circle of light is, I need to work on our communication. Or maybe the circle of light today is, I just need to survive today. Today's not a good day. And I'm going to take care of myself by putting my expectations for myself really low. So I'm not going to do anything around the house today. Today is going to be like, take it slow day. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it because that's like counterintuitive if I'm trying to take care of myself. And tomorrow's a new day. And I don't know about tomorrow because that's not my circle of light. My circle of light is just today. So I know this is like a very weird 
abstract philosophical conversation I'm having with you today. And some of it's about our kids and some of it's actually just about us in general. But I have found that when we learn to let go of judgment, judgment of our own emotions, judgment of our kids' behaviors, when we learn to let go of the control of their journey, the anger that we might feel because our kids are not doing what we think they should be doing on their journey, instead of just recognizing this is the life they signed up for, this is their life. You know, I'm just a small part of it. You're a teeny chapter. You're zero to 18. That's a very small part of the book, right? You're the beginning chapters. And then they have like a whole huge novel where you're like a, no offense. I mean, <laughs> but you're like in you know, side dish, you know, we're the supporting cast. We're, we're not going to be the main actors in that. I mean, that's just reality. That, that, that's, that's a good thing. We want our kids to grow up, get partners, have their own kids, and we're there to support them as a supporting cast. And so we don't want to overcast or overplace our role in their lives. And so hopefully this episode has helped in some way. This is what happens when I don't write notes before I do an episode. (laughs) I start to just talk to you like you're my best friend and we're having coffee together. But I do hope that some of what I'm saying is resonating with you. And, you know, maybe it'll shift how you're having, like, what your day is today. Because even the worst days, and this happens a lot too. I see this with parents in the AT parenting community. They'll write to me on the forums and they're having a horrible day. And a lot of times maybe based on how their kids are doing, right? So their bad day is because their kids are having a bad day. And it's it's helpful to try to separate that out sometimes. I could have an amazing, this is going to sound horrible, but I can have an amazing day when my kids are really struggling if I feel like I showed up in the way that I wanted to show up to support them. I have, I've had some days where I'm like, you knocked it out of the park, mama. (laughs) You know, like you responded in such a calm, collect way. And, oh, that was really good therapeutic way to handle it. And other times, not so much uh, at all. But so my bad days aren't always interconnected with their bad days. And that's something to work on because we don't want to always be so connected that their bad day instantly is our bad day. But People write that they're having a horrible day. Their kids are like, you know, sinking with anxiety or OCD. And then the next day things are good and they're feeling upbeat and they're feeling hopeful again. And so sometimes it's good to remind yourself every day is a new day, whether it's about you or your kids. So I hope that you are having an okay day today. And I hope that if you're not, you're going to lean into it and accept that. (laughs) So, and tomorrow's a brand new canvas. Get your paint out. Uh, I hope you are enjoying this podcast. Before I go, speaking of skill building, if your child is ready to roll up their sleeves and work on their their OCD, not anxiety, this course that I'm making is just for OCD, or you want to have it in your back pocket, and I talk about this as well in my class, it's really good to have something that like in that moment when your child's like, you know what, I do want to work on my OCD, to have something that is like instantaneous where you could say, I happen to have this class here. You can take these lessons. The course that I'm making is for kids and teens. So it'll be like seven years old to 18, or I'm actually saying 21 because a young adult can easily take this and would learn from it as well. I try to make my courses for kids. This is like my, one of my only courses for kids, but I try to make them very ageless where they're not babyish 
but their concepts are simple enough that a younger person can get it, but a teenager or young adult wouldn't be offended and think this is too babyish. And so that's what I did with my crush OCD class for kids and teens. It's very um, quick. I like took all the things that I teach kids in my practice. And I was just like, how do I like concentrate this so that they can get as much bang for their buck and they can like spend less than two hours watching these videos and get literally everything I would teach a kid. And I was able to do it. So I'm pretty impressed with myself because this is literally like seven sessions of therapy in under two hours because in therapy, I have to develop rapport and I have to, you know, build that trust, build that communication. So there's so much work before you can actually build skills. And when I'm just doing a course and it's for education and they can watch it over and over and they don't have to trust me because they can just be sitting in their bedroom really comfortable they're able to hear this information without the defensiveness that they might have if they're sitting on a couch. And so it's not to replace therapy. I mean, it's ideal if someone were to watch this and do therapy because you'd save a lot of money and time because your kid would be more educated and motivated to work in therapy. They'd know where the therapist is going and they would have all those skills. But it can also be a standalone if you have a child who doesn't want to do therapy, not able to do therapy, can't afford therapy, can't access therapy as a motivator for therapy to have them do this class. And what's very cool is I interviewed a whole bunch of kids from the AT parenting community, my membership community. And so they helped me in these classes. The videos are really short. They're like three minutes, five minutes. Some of them are two minutes. The biggest one I think is 21 minutes, but they're all really, really short. So, and I did that on purpose. So you could say, just watch one video a day. There's 14 videos. So within two weeks, your child would be totally done. Or in the time that it would take them to watch a movie, they could watch the entire course and have a huge foundation of how to spot OCD, how to get new themes discovered before it get, they get too big, how to understand what you're doing as a parent, and also how to do exposures. I go through all of that. But the kids in these videos also help talk about their experiences to help make your child feel less alone. And also it's better to hear a child say, you know, this is why I don't do compulsions or this is how I don't grow my OCD versus an adult or a therapist saying it. So it is done. I am just trying to upload them right now to my platform, but the courses will come out. This course will come out on September. I think I have it coming out on September 29th of 2022. I always say that because you might be listening to this like in 2027 and you'll be like, oh, she's coming out with a new course. And it's like, no, it came out like three or four years ago. Can't do math. I don't know. But I do want to let you know about that because if you want to get on the wait list, you will get emailed before that date, or maybe it will be that date, but you will get a discount for like a short period of time. I'm gonna, anyone who's on my wait list will get like a special discount and you'll be notified about it first. So if you want to get on the wait list, you can just go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com slash waitlist dash OCD. And I'll leave a link below in the show notes, but it's atparentingsurvivalseries.com slash waitlist dash OCD. I know not the most beautiful URL, but you'll get it, get on the waitlist and you'll know. And I really do feel like I'm excited to offer this to, to parents for their kids because Again, it kind of goes back to you can only do so much. Like your child has to pick up the baton and run with it. But if we don't give them the baton, 
we can't find a baton. The baton's too expensive. They don't know how to recognize a baton. That's a problem. And so we have to do our part in giving our kids the resources and tools in order for them to get better. And sometimes, you know, it's not going to be therapy for whatever the barrier is, or you're waiting for therapy, or you want to kind of supercharge therapy and give them kind of a legs up by giving them this extra information. And a lot of therapists use my my resources as a way to speed up therapy and get some really good information in a short period of time. So check that out. And I hope that you're enjoying my podcast. Don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you consume them. And if you have a few extra moments to leave a review, I greatly appreciate that. To show my appreciation, I always read one if I can find one. And I did. I want to thank Emmy M82, who wrote, so helpful. I love this podcast so much. Natasha's advice has been incredibly helpful in understanding how my son's mind works and how I can best support him. Her other online resources are also worth viewing. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Well, thank you, Emmy, for taking the time to write your review. And maybe if you write a review, I'll be reading yours next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. Look in that little circle of light. There's sparkles in there. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.